Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. I'm joined by Chris Brammer. Hello there, Dave. And Tom Thrower. Hi, everyone. Lads, um, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. Coutinho to Barcelona? Yeah, good idea. Football's gone mad, hasn't it, for that price? (laughs) Virgil van Dijk, 75. Ridiculous. Interestingly, right, just want to tell you about this before we go on to the news. So there's a wrestler called Virgil from the 90s. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) What is going on? Oh, no, you're going to love it. People have tuned in. People have tuned in to listen to our news reaction. Oh, Oh, we'll start right. with this wrestler. No, no, no. So there's a wrestler from the nineties called Virgil, and he's a bit nah. He was he wasn't like a a big star or anything, but on Twitter he's changed his like thing to real Virgil Van Dyke because he thinks it's really funny and he's going to get a lot of reaction if he pretends to be Virgil Van Dyke. But because he's American, he doesn't quite understand the whole transfer thing. So he thinks Virgil Van Dyke's been paid seventy five million to move to Liverpool so he he's not he doesn't understand that no that's how much they've paid for him he thinks that's how much he's got given so all his tweets are like yeah can't wait to get to spend my 75 million on jet skis and things like this and it's just the weirdest thing that this wrestler from the 90s is pretending to be a Dutch footballer and ah, it's so weird anyway nothing else has happened in the news has there that's good. Uh, that's it for the Wizards of Drivel podcast this week. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Oh, oh, wait, hang on. I'm just uh, just catching up on the news. I was away yesterday. Oh, oh, do you look at that? Um, yes, Mark Hughes has been sacked as manager of Stoke City. Uh, Tom, what, what are your emotions right now? I, I just, all of them. <laughs> I have all the emotions. <laughs> It's been so long, like 18 months-ish of I've wanted this man to leave the club and it's now happened. I'm not desperately overjoyed as to the situation we're in, but I'm now fully confident going forward that we'll um, we'll get back on track. That's nice, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> it's really nice, isn't it? New Year positivity. See, I told you last week on the pod it was going to happen. Um, no, it is. It's more. I think Tom is right. It's more of a relief than anything else. Um, I don't think anyone. I mean, I've seen a few tongue-in-cheek like celebrations, like like the Ewoks at the end of Return of the Jedi or something. Like, but um, but I don't. I don't think any of us would. Re- None of us wanted it to get to this stage. None of us wanted to see banners for Hughes out. None of us wanted to get ditched out of the FA Cup. It's sad that it came to this point, but it's I'm I'm for one I'm very relieved that we are now able to move forward and do something. Yeah, um I I'm pretty pretty similar to you, Chris. I mean the really annoying thing for me about yesterday was that Hughes should never have had that game in the first place. He should have gone after Newcastle, and it, you know, put put you know Ryan Shawcross in charge or something uh, for that Coventry game because it, it was clearly only going to go one way. I felt I I didn't see it was winning that game, which was no. crazy because it's League Two Coventry City. Um, I I don't think a lot of those players uh, were playing for him, and and they're just the. Uh, just watch the highlights and Jesus, so, some of the the passing and the finishing was utterly diabolical. I mean, there's a 
there's a flurry of chances we have towards the end of Coventry where um, it's just hitting bodies in the Coventry 18-yard box and the, the, their their crowd is cheering. It's like, oh, shot, hits the defender, way, shot, hits the defender, way. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, that, that that is confidence when you know those shots aren't going in. And, and that's, you know, it was the absolute nadir of Hughes' reign yeah. yesterday and... Uh, you know, just when you think it can't get worse, it does. But, but then uh, later, later that evening, we got the news that Mark Hughes had gone, and yeah, we this is kind of uncharted territory for Stoke. I can't remember us, perhaps even in my, was it Gary Megson, the last manager we sacked during the season, because. Yeah, this this is something that generally doesn't happen with Stoke if managers. Uh, move on they're moved on at the end of the season so we're currently without a manager uh, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Twitter but I don't anticipate an announcement being made this morning uh, so we'll talk about the kind of runners and riders then for the Stoke City job uh, who's your personal favourite of the kind of names that have been bandied about Tom of the um, of the names that have been bandied about in the press it's probably Rower, I think He's someone who it'd be it'd be perfect for both parties. We need someone to come in and stamp some kind of identity on the squad, and he deserves probably an opportunity in this league um, that I think we can give him. I'd also be really interested in Rogers, who a few have said I, I don't probably there's probably nothing to it, but just I think that would be really exciting, like really really exciting. Mm. Yeah, I, I I love Brendan Rodgers, but I think he's on way too good a thing at Celtic. I mean, yeah. he's he's basically got uh got football on easy mode up there, where he can just win title <laughs> after title, uh, get into Europe, have you know the adoration of uh, that half of Glasgow, and uh, he, why why would you uh, ditch that for a relegation battle in the Premier League, which he's already got experience of, um. But apart from that, maybe just just the pure law of the Premier League is sufficient to. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, Roger's probably too unrealistic. Uh, Rowett, Chris. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think Rowett's the the choice that I'd like to go for. The most exciting and realistic of the options. Um, obviously, there's the. Odds on favourite is Martin O'Neill, um, and whilst I'm not, I'm not against the idea. Um, I think that would be definitely the more strong and stable option for uh, mm. for us to go for <laughs> because uh, because yeah, I mean he he ticks all the boxes of Premier League experience and all that type of stuff. Even though it, I don't know, it's it's not the most exciting sign it, uh, um, manager appointment but i again i won't have an issue with it um i've literally this morning just been reading a um a telegraph interview that o'neill did a few months ago and it's just scared me a little bit how he's sort of talking about not doing big intense training sessions not being overly reliant on tactics being (laughs) basing himself on man management it just seems a bit too Mark Hughesy for me, and whilst it probably has worked over the past, we clearly need a change from that. A uh, relevant of like 
who's in charge because I don't think it's the fact that it was Mark Hughes where things were going wrong. I don't think it was him specifically. It was his style. Right. It was his lack of sort of nuance and his entire ignorance of pressing um, that's, mm. that's left us where we are. And to go in with someone like O'Neill, who's similar, it almost feels like you'd, you'd maybe get the bounce, get the new manager bounce, and then it'd all fall flat as a pancake. Which yeah, it might not, but I hope yeah. If O'Neill I mean, does come in, that's what I'd be worried about. The the suggestion was that O'Neill would be in until the end of the season. Uh, at least that was the rumor that was going around. Which again, it's all rumors at this point. But it, if that is the case, I wouldn't be against that. And then we look long term in the future. Ideally, Rowett now would be that long term replacement. Like right now. It would be good, mm. and and it would make some Derby fans really bitter, and that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah, I was gonna say exactly what you said, Chris. Uh, Rowett sells tickets, and if we go down under Rowett, I think there will be a certain degree of faith that uh, he could take us back up to the Premier League. Whereas Martin O'Neill won't excite many. But if if you look at his record, it, his record is good. He's he's done a, a hell of a lot of good jobs at places. And that he was Celtic manager when Celtic were a big deal, and uh, and did stuff with them, did stuff with Leicester, uh, did stuff with Villa to an extent. Um, but I, I just, yeah, it just doesn't ex- excite me, and perhaps that's harsh on O'Neill. What he does do, I think, and his island team is a bit of a testament to this, where the island squad is very, very limited. He did get them really organised within a, a whisker of the World Cup and got them into the Euros. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it might, would it be a O'Neill Keane dream team? Would that would that happen? <laughs> I mean, that... I don't know. I think that would kind of sell it for me because as much as Roy Keane is a, an absolute arse, I think I'd enjoy the chaos of that a little bit too much. <laughs> so... <laughs> Enjoy his mental face just glaring out from the dugout. <laughs> yeah, scaring, scaring <laughs> all the fans. You'd play for him. You'd play for <laughs> Roy Keane. You'd have to. Oh man, God. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I don't know. You, he obviously is the island assistant. I don't know if Martin O'Neill has a different preference for club management, but um, I don't know. I. I it's really weird, isn't it, that if we don't get Rowett, I actually think I'll be a little bit disappointed. But then we're at a stage where actually anyone coming in, bar like Harry Redknapp or Alan Pardew or I, whatever, would yeah, be would be okay I'd take for Redknapp me. now. I wouldn't. I, st- I really wouldn't. I wouldn't either. You don't think Redknapp will get him fired up for the no. year? No, I think, Red, oh, okay. I, think Red, I think Redknapp's lost the plot a little bit and he's needs to retire um oh. i mean look he, he spe- well I, I, yeah. I, I don't think he's in the equation anyway to no, be honest, no, but, no no uh, uh, another name i've just seen mentioned today is uh, ronald kuman of course the former everton manager uh where where would he rank would he be above o'neill but below rowett probably just about yeah. again kuman isn't someone who um Desperately excites me that much because of his similarities to Mark Hughes again, and I, I just think he's done good things. But I'm not sure whether Southampton was him or was just he rode off the back of 
probably one of the best managers the league's had for a long time. Um, mm. and but, but there was a lot of changes in his recruitment at Southampton, you can't question. He brought in some, some really good footballers. Um, but, uh, yeah, he'd be above O'Neill just, but still yeah. significantly behind Rowett. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those, those three names, Rowett, Koeman and O'Neill, are the kind of main ones in terms of the, the press speculation. Um, just <laughs> fine, uh, on Ra- on Rowett, do you think he'd come? Because I've, I've had it suggested by non-Stoke supporting friends of mine that oh, he's, he could get Derby promoted uh, this season. They might replace us in the Premier League. You know, you might... <laughs> You might not yeah. want to come to Stoke. What, what do you what do you think of that? I mean, there's always that. <sighs> we, we're going to look at it from a Stoke uh, bias all the time and be like, yeah, but we're in the Premier League and it's a great opportunity and we've got a good team and all these all these things. And a Derby fan is going to say the same thing about themselves. Like, you know, they're a bigger club, they've got great facilities, all that type of stuff. Um, I think... And this is clearly biased because of a, I'm a Stoke fan. I think that the pull of the Premier League and the project that is Stoke has currently a better potential than Derby. Like in the more immediate, yeah, in the immediate. I think that there's no escaping that Derby is a relatively big club, and that they, in the long term, if he was to get them up, he could do something with them. But right now, they're not in the Premier League, and we are, and he can do something, and he can. I I think that it would be a good move for him to move here. Obviously, I think that. I think mm. it's a jump as well, isn't it? Because if he got Derby up, he'd have to do the job that he's coming in. That if we brought him into Stoke the next season, so he's cutting out a season, and he's got history. He uh he left Burton to come to Birmingham. Okay, League Two to the Championship is a much easier decision than top of Championship to bottom of Premier League. Mm-hmm. But I think he recognises that, or will recognise that we're a big club in the Premier League. We're established, we've got a load of cash. But as you said, mm. it's all bias and stuff. Yeah, and, and you've you've also got to take into account the fact that Derby are cursed. And it doesn't <laughs> matter who their manager is, they're not going up. That's true. They... they they yeah. could have uh, Pep Guardiola as manager and they'd find a way to lose a playoff final on penalties. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, th- those are the main runners and riders. Um, gigs? No. Yeah. Go away, Ryan. We, for, 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 <laughs> Has he ruled himself for, out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For uh, the main reason that we're just sick of Welshmen at the moment. That's, that's it. No, we shouldn't discriminate on the grounds of race, but I'm just no, no more Welshmen. Did please. you did you see he was fifty to one to be next Stoke manager? By the way, uh, no, Christian. One, all oh, right, one uh, Rory Delap. What? <laughs> yep, fifty to uh, one. Has he done? Has he? Oh, is he, he's is he youth, at Derby? Yeah, he's youth coach, isn't he, at Derby? Youth coach at Derby. It's quite um, quite a jump. <laughs> can you imagine Gary Rowett's face if they approached a lap? <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting. But the fact that they... I know what you were saying earlier about... I can't believe that they gave him the, the Coventry game. But the fact that Mark Hughes stayed in that position when it seeming, seemed that the board had made up their mind on Monday, if reports are to be believed, does suggest that someone is in the waiting and it is just a matter of sorting it out. I don't think that it is a fresh search 
right now. Like they're now today going yeah. out and being like, right, who can we approach? I think someone is in the, the way. Finally, Googled managers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do think that they've got someone or a, or one or two candidates lined up, and it's just a matter of uh, finalising it. I hope so, anyway, because they want someone in place for the Man United game, and that's not actually that long when you consider like Everton were waiting how many weeks before Sam Allardyce was announced mm. mm-hmm. yeah yeah they were they were waiting a while um what do you what do you think of this kind of uh British policy that appears to be in place I, I mean I understand it to an extent but it just seems a bit disappointing that we're not uh setting our sights further abroad uh don't ask me to reel off a load of names, but uh, I think there are certainly some candidates out there that would really sell tickets and get fans excited. Uh, do, do you think going abroad is, is too big a risk at this stage? Probably at any stage in the Premier League's development, this is probably the time when it's the least risk because the league has changed into a European league. It's not really any more that British league that it probably was when it started where it was kicking it along and kicking the crap out of people Hmm. all the styles across Europe they slightly vary but realistically there isn't too much difference Um, and I don't think it's anything that sort of maybe an assistant manager who understands the Premier League a bit more couldn't help a foreign manager with so it's a bit disappointing that we haven't looked abroad but it's not shocking, really, and it's it, it's expected. And if we go for someone like Rower, then I, then I can understand the British thing because then it's more of a well, we're a, we're a British club and we want to help British managers develop yeah. themselves rather than just oh well, we'll we're crapping it and let's just get <laughs> O'Neill in because he'll probably keep mm. us up. And and really, like in terms of our long history as a football club, we've only ever had two non-British managers, haven't we? So mm. it's I mean it's not historically it's not a a crazy thing to think that we've not gone foreign for a manager oh and we might not you never know we might get cumin and then everything changes um but no i i agree with with tom i think that getting rowett would be a, a signal that I, I, it's i think the thing that would be great for me with that is that it's not just giving a job to the lads to the to the same old cabal of british managers who just keep getting jobs regardless mm. of how much they fail i i really do hope and I, I i think we will we won't fall into that trap of just appointing a panic manager i think we have the one the one thing that you can take away from peter coates over the last few weeks as frustrating as it's been that he stood by mark hughes actually he's done it in a considered manner and he always has had the best interest of the club even if he has been a little bit conservative in his approach to it you you can't fault him for being considered like considering his time and working out what to do next i suppose yeah um, i mean uh if we'd have won yesterday would he have gone yesterday because i don't think that would have happened i know we'd have still been looking for other managers but was it just that the coventry result had to uh force them force them into it because I don't know. It just it just seems a bit weird the the approach to it because Mark Hughes was a dead man walking regardless of the result yesterday, and it just seems like either you get rid of the dead man walking for a cup game where we should win, 
or you know you you get and just give the club time even if it's with the assistant manager in charge to find you find your new guy because I don't think Hughes staying for as long as he did helped anyone didn't help Hughes didn't help the club didn't help the fans kind of reaction to it so I'm just really bitterly disappointed that we've gone out it's taken going out the FA Cup which I, I don't know about you lads but I'm properly I properly love the FA Cup I think third round day is fantastic and it's just seemed an absolute waste of it to me I totally get that my, uh, Peter Coates's uh, backing of his managers is an admirable thing and I really do admire admire him for that but yeah it's just it was definitely way too long and I think we we've kind of dawdled a bit because either the new manager wasn't available yet or just kind of blindly sticking with him and I think deep down there was part of them that thought maybe he could turn it around perhaps not after Newcastle but uh, certainly after you know West Ham and things so I'm just I'm just kind of really I think it's more frustration that it's taken this long than anything really and it seems really weird because we've um we have appointed a caretaker we've got Eddie mm. second name Ed- starting with N <laughs> Any um, second name, yeah. Uh, <laughs> in charge, so it suggests there's, uh, yeah, uh, why on earth he was in charge for the Coventry game? Because I think the press have all reported, and I think every state fan probably knew at the bottom of their hearts that Hughes was gone. We'd never seen the local media be that sort of sure in their criticisms of him. Uh, I think mm. the Sentinel spent a week pretty much from the Newcastle game to this one criticising Hughes which they just wouldn't do to an incumbent Stoke manager because they wouldn't because that's not their, their no. way of doing things so it seems yeah it, it's a waste of a really because as well with the cup let's say and it probably won't happen new manager comes in and we win like three games on the bounce and we're up with Leicester just sort of 10th or 11th no chance of relegation no chance of pushing up to 7th the cup is there for that thing to to like just really get fans excited but the disdain that's been shown to both of the cups by Hughes over these last two years have been like painful so for it to happen again for him to get sacked was just sad mm. um we'll, we'll move away from kind of their new manager chat and kind of uh, sort of have a retrospective of the Mark Hughes era because it, it, it was a hell of a long time he was at the club and uh in in the kind of modern era of football, it's kind of remarkable he was in the job as long as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, how how would you view the the whole of the Mark Hughes tenure then, Chris? What what would you say were your main kind of uh, takeaways from it? Oh, that's I mean that's a very difficult question to have now, uh, so soon after what has been an awful torrid uh, two years of football, but. I mean, I'd like I'd like to be able to look back on it and look at the, the this Stoke team played some of the best football that I've seen in my lifetime as a football fan uh, following Stoke um, in those first few years. Um, there was Mark Hughes has brought some genuine excitement to the Stoke to to watching football with Stoke. There's some incredible moments. Um, I think to sum it to sum it up, I think it. I don't know. It's I, I want to remember all the positives, but these last two years have kind of ruined everything. And he's some of his conduct has kind of ruined any 
or, or rather tainted any nice memories. Um, I think if you ask me again at the end of the season, I will be a lot more, yeah, n- nostalgic for the good times rather than the bad. Um, but right now, <laughs> the 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 Stoke City team of six one beating Liverpool seems an age ago. And uh, unfortunately, all I can think of with Mark Hughes is um, just disappointment. Mm. I think um, it, it's perhaps because of those those great times we had the the, the month of Stoke Alona and even the season before that when we were playing really well with the, the likes of Victor Moses in the team. It was perhaps because we were so good then that the um, that the bad couple of seasons we've we've just had uh, feel even worse because we know that uh, Stoke were capable of so much better than than the kind of absolute dross we've been turning out since the Anfield semi-final. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think if I was to predict what Mark Hughes will say in his next uh, posts, <laughs> in his next interview that, that, that he does with the press, I think he will say something to the effect of, uh, well, we got three ninth place finishes, the expectations raised, and... You know, a, a one underperforming season, one and a half underperforming seasons, and then you're suddenly out of a job, and it's because the the fans demand too much, uh, and you know that kind of thing. Uh, do you think there's any, you know, slither of truth in that? I mean, I've basically just said it, th- those good times made the bad times feel worse. So, are, am I a victim of kind of the over expectation that that came with those ninth place finishes? No, because I think I think um, last season's been downplayed a lot because of probably the situation we're in now. Last season has been downplayed as oh well, it was just it was just an underachieving season. It wasn't it wasn't anything drastically bad. It was just <laughs> underachieving. When you actually look at what Hughes was brought in, Hughes was brought in to try and establish Stoke as a top table uh, top half side in the league. So going on that, a thirteenth place finish mm-hmm. where you're getting hammered at least once a month, as there's a really bad season. I think under a majority of other chairmen, Hughes would not have lasted the summer. And so mm. I don't think he's been a victim of his own success. I think he's failed to meet what he was brought in to do in these past two years, and it's become so drastically bad that he's gone now. So the, Because the, the ninth place finishes are fantastic, and I don't want to downplay them too much, but they're only a ninth place finish. It's not like mm. this man took us into Europe or no. won us a cup. He's he brought beautiful football, but he also took beautiful football away. I think there's, yeah. there's, there's balance to all of Hughes's tenure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think there's there's parallels with with Pulis as well. I mean, Pulis got us to a final, got us to Europe, and he. I think he was perhaps even shown less faith than Mark Hughes was. I think uh, if the kind of results and thrashings uh, we had uh, under Hughes happened under Pulis, he'd have gone perhaps even sooner than he did. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was because he'd built up that that promotion Europe Cup final that he... I don't don't know. I think... think It definitely went on too long, but I I don't know why he seemed to be shown more more faith than Pulis or was it the the faith that we were playing better football because we definitely weren't playing better football than Pulis ball 
uh, in the last <laughs> eighteen months. I, um, I, I think there was a, ge- I think there was a genuine belief that a lot of it was bad luck and that it was decisions by referees and mistakes by players, and that you know at some point it would all click and all would be fine. Um, and I think, yeah, the fact that we, with a with a very similar group of players, had been able to play um, good football did suggest a maybe to the likes of Peter Coates and the board that actually, well, no, these players are capable of better and it just takes, they just need to get that one result and it will click and it will all come together. I mean, again, we've said it's it's admirable that Peter Coates would, would stick by a, a manager for so long. Um, a lot of other chairmen and chairwomen up and down the country would um, be far more reactive and it wouldn't work for them. And you can understand why... Uh, our board have been a little bit more cautious with their approach, but I think that it was maybe a little bit naive and blind to think that 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 Mark Hughes could turn it around because I don't think there was any evidence to support that. Yeah, mm. I think it maybe reflects the issues with having a, a a chairman who is a genuine fan of the club and genuinely just wants the club to do well. So his attitude to it all would have been like urging it to be, oh, well, it's just a blip. We'll get over it. We're, we're better than this. We're Stoke. This is this is what we do. And we, we come back. And maybe a lack of a, you know, a critical footballing mind on the board as well, because who would that be? Yeah. Cartwright maybe, but I don't think anyone knows what he does really. Um, <laughs> but, but, but someone who looked at last season and sort of said in, if I assume they had a meeting at the end of the season, said, actually, from the evidence we've got from this season, I don't think Hughes can turn it around because yeah. there's no evidence to suggest he can. And mm. th- that's how we won and that's how we've run up as a club and we're where we are. So that's a brilliant thing. But maybe now the way football's turning and the way it's so imbalanced, clubs like Stoke really do need to have a critical thought all the time of, right, where are we going? Because this season, last season, have shown that the second you stop moving forward in this league, you're flying backwards. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it's, yeah, so, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I enjoyed the thread anyway. Um, uh, email here from uh, Lee Hawthorne uh, of Duck uh, Stoke City under Mark Hughes really was a tale of two cities it was the best of times it was the worst of times it was the age of 4231. it was the age of tactical mess it was the age of Stoke Alona it was the age of Stokington Stanley it was the age of Odden Wingy it was the age of Berahino it was the age of Crouch Plan B it was the age of No, age of no Plan A it was the age of Liverpool 6-1. It was the age of Ewood Park. It was the age of destroying Manchester. It was the age of ruined in Coventry. It was the age of up yours, Chelsea. It was the age of get on all fours for Chelsea. It was the age of Victor <laughs> Moses. It was the age of Kevin Vimmer. It was the age of Christmas 2015. It was the age of this winter of discontent. It was heart and soul at Anfield. It was got no balls at Wembley. It was the age of Marco and Outovic. It was the age of snake, snake, snake. It was the age of the beautiful bargain. It was the age of shameful spending. It was the, it was the age of... He's repeating the heart and soul at Anfield. What what time did he say? He said this at seven in the morning, but I, I, I was I suspected he'd had a drink, but no. Um, <laughs> it was the age of that Eric Peters. It was the age of this Eric Peters. It was the age oh. of dare to dream. It was the age of don't look down. It was the age of the Spanish acquisition. It was the age of the Spanish exodus. 
It was the age of calm assurance. It was the age of deluded nonsense. It was the age of where can we go from here? It was the age of where do we go from here? It was the age of fill in the corner. It was the age of turn off the power. It was the age of the <laughs> BMX. It was the age where the wheels have come off. He was taking us directly to heaven. He was taking us directly the other way. Wow. He's good. I rate Lee. That, that was beautiful. And that really does actually highlight the absolute crazy differences in this Mark Hughes team. How how good it was at times and how awful it was. It's mad how sporadic this period has been. Yeah, there was very little like middle ground with Stoke, which is ironic because we're being mid-table for most of the time. But <laughs> yeah, we we were either looking like a, a team that would you know go through the fabled next level, whatever that may be, and then yeah, recently we've just been absolutely plummeting. <laughs> but it's 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 an optimistic podcast. This one, I, we're, 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 uh, we're determined to to make it so. David Hammond, I'm finally finally f- feeling excited to see what another manager can do with this squad. Is it Hughes, the players, or both? What formation will we throw out at Old Trafford? Come on, Stoke, let's beat relegation. Um, leaving aside the Old Trafford game, uh, like, can you get, just just give us some optimism, Chris? T- let reassure us that everything will be fine. I, I genuinely, genuinely do think that. It, it will be. I think that we have a good enough squad to to turn this around. I think that whilst we are in the bottom three, we are not far off safety. And there are teams in this division who can equally collapse and fall apart, and who are bad. What the, we've said, but we've said, and we've said this all along that this team, this season of the Premier League is awful. There are some shit teams in this league, and. It's funny that the one time where seventh place looked almost achievable, Stoke have a collapse. <laughs> I think that a new person coming in with a bit of fire can kick these players into shape. I think that a few additions in this window can do the team a world of good. And I think that Stoke can survive in this division. Actually, even to go in a negative but also positive way, if the worst happened and Stoke went down, with the right appointment, Gary Rowett, Stoke, I think, would survive and come back up. And I think that the it's a, it's a good thing. We, we, are, we are right to have got rid of Mark Hughes, and the future is going to be bright. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the January transfer window is, of course, open. Uh, Tom, what are your kind of priorities for the window? The the new manager's obviously gonna have a look back at the kind of recent shower and, and assess like what his main priorities are. Uh, do, do you think we need many additions? Uh, but where where do you think we need them? Uh, it's a weird one with how many additions we need because you feel there's a lot of potential in that squad for people to come back. So if you asked that question to Stoke fans three weeks ago, every single one without fail would have said left back. Every single one. But mm. Eric Peters has shown us, like Lee said in that, in that email, has shown us how good he can be. So can a new manager get that out of him? But yeah, full-backs, one or two, is probably at least just to have cover there because there's been a lack of competition and that's hurt everyone. And get Bojan back. Bo- Alves don't want him anymore. 
So let's let's have some excitement back. Let's get the beautiful little let's bring Catalonian him home. magician back. Bring him home, boys. Ah, <laughs> oh. and oh. Moniesa as well. Got to got to oh. bring. Just bring them. Bring them all home. All of them. Oh, every, we'll all the players. <laughs> bring all the players home. <laughs> uh, um, oh, I've just seen a, a tweet from uh, our friendly Hawthorne here. Uh, where were you when Stoke managers left? Macari crying in the kitchen, Pulis <laughs> arguing in the office at work, used <laughs> Tesco car park eating biscuits before turning in. Do you not? Know? <laughs> uh, do, do, do you do you have any uh, memories of where you were when either? Uh, Hughes was sacked or, or previous Stoke managers. I remember that I was um, in an exam at uni when Pulis left uh, and I got out the exam back back into my flat and someone said, oh, he, uh, Pulis is gone. I was like, yeah, right, shut up. <laughs> just, I think I think I just completely disregarded the fact that that happened for about half an hour until I looked at my phone. And, oh God, he has actually gone. <laughs> I, yeah, I, the, the first time, no, the, well, the second time Tony Pulis left, I think I was it came through while I was at work. Um, and so it was just an office discussion. But the first time it was uh, mock GCSE times back in 2005. So um, I didn't, and, and you didn't really have internet on your phone or anything back then too much. So oh. it was one of those where, oh, you didn't find out until we, until we got home. And gosh, that, that's a, that is an age ago, isn't it? 2005. We've only, like, I'm just, I'm just looking at Stokes managerial history. Like, God, we have, we've only had two managers in the last like eleven years. That's quite a something, isn't it? Really, like comparison to so many other teams. Yeah, no. strong and stable leadership. That's strong what it is. and strong and stable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you want to throw out any more uh, potential manager names, or should, or should we just uh, not get carried away with ourselves and ju- and just kind of uh, assume it will be? Rower O'Neill or Cooman? I think it's probably safe to assume it's one of those because <sighs> see, last time when Pulis left, I got my hopes up and we're like, oh, we're going to get Rafa because apparently he'd come over for a few days and had a meal or something. Yeah. <laughs> and and then when it was Mark Hughes, as much as I was like, yeah, well, let's get behind him, I was crippled with disappointment because that's not Rafa Benitez, is it? So this time round, <laughs> this time... I'm just going to assume it's Martin O'Neill, and then if it's anything else, I'll be like, "Oh, that's a pleasant surprise, isn't it?" But what, what, what if the what if the pleasant surprise is uh, noted fascist Paolo Di Canio? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus! Oh God! Oh right, God! Then, if if Paolo Di Canio came to the club, I would genuinely have to question my support for Stoke because yeah. <laughs> there is a there is a line, <laughs> certainly a line. Uh, but I do quite like the idea of the fact that we're going British, so Paolo can't get the job on account of where he's from. <laughs> so, <laughs> there. Right, can I do my uh, logical defence of why Rogers isn't the most ridiculous suggestion? By all means. Go, go on, it. go on, Tom. It's the winter break in Scotland, so, you know, there's, so there's, loads, of, there's loads of time for Celtic to sort things out. The Celtic project has hit a bump in the tracks quite recently. They lost and then they didn't beat Rangers. Oh no. They're selling they're selling their best striker, which I think Brendan Rodgers is especially sort of um, vulnerable to mentally because of Suarez and Liverpool and what happened after that. <laughs> 
And, you know, maybe maybe Rogers is thinking, well, I've gone unbeaten for ages and ages and done really good things at Celtic and still I'm not getting the uh, the notoriety and a chance at a big job yet. So I've got to go back to the promised land of the Premier League to show that mm. I can do it with little yeah. old stuff. At the ground at the ground that ended my uh <sighs> Liverpool tenure, the ground that was the beginning of the end for me with with yeah. the six one. He's got he's got demons to exercise. I like this narrative. Let's 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 go with it. Um, perhaps <laughs> perhaps he'll um, utilize uh, Shakiri and Bojan, and you know maybe even Ngoy as part of that. You know, Sturridge, Suarez, and uh, Sterling front three he had at Liverpool. Perhaps he'll make take us really close to winning the title. I think I think we're gonna win the title, lads. I think everything's gonna be totally okay forever. <laughs> I'm, I like this new year, new positivity, guys. It's all really good. Uh, I think that's um, a happy place to end the show then, really. Stoke winning the title. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm just... I, see, this this is what happens when we have a positive podcast. We don't really know what to say. We, we kind of... <laughs> We haven't really had much organisation or structure with this podcast. We're just kind of just getting things out there. Um, so, <laughs> it's more of it's more group therapy than it is. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. So uh, at the moment, yeah, we we are currently uh, under Eddie second names uh, glorious tenureship. Uh, may it be a brief one, uh, as uh, I'm I'm really hoping for Rowett. Rowett would just be so exciting and. And it would be that long-term thinking that I re- I just really hope we've we've got, we're brave enough to to go all out for him. Uh, but whoever it is, uh, I pretty much guarantee that every Stoke fan will be supporting them because it's a yeah. absolutely huge five months coming up. This is, you know, more than any time perhaps, you know, in years and years, perhaps since we got relegated from the top flight previously this is the biggest kind of few months for Stoke I've known in my lifetime we absolutely have to stay in the Premier League and I think uh, the managers touted even the kind of underwhelming ones like O'Neill they're, they're certainly good enough to do it um, it's, it's just making sure we uh, kind of rediscover Stoke again so um, thank you very much for joining me lads thank you Dave here's to a uh... Bold, brave future. Yeah, here's to a hugeless new year. <laughs> and, uh, Happy and now new year. We can Go all on. change our Twitter names back to responding yeah, like right, actual names now, can't we? <laughs> oh, oh, can we, oh, can we uh, talk about the, the bloody click millennial agenda finally getting <laughs> their way? Yeah. What are we gonna what are we gonna yeah. moan about now, lads? Click one, Stoke fans since the seventies nil, I think <laughs> is the score. <laughs> oh, did you see that um Vale fan on Twitter who oh. you know, who suggested that to all They have they have the internet in Burslin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to all to all Stoke fans who've been supporting the club since before two thousand and eight, oh, I hope that Mark Hughes gets the sack for you. For all you glory hunters all 14,000 of you since 2008. Oh, I hope you... Uh, I hope you die or something ridiculous. It's kind it, of was, like... it, was, it wasn't that extreme. It was, I hope no. you stay. But it's like, well, God 
God forbid all these uh, young people who, you know, have got into yeah. football in the past 10 years, you can no longer have nice things because <laughs> some Vale fan is sad and bitter that more people go to Stoke than they do at Vale Park. Get well, out as far there. as his, his Twitter thread makes out, he's from Norway, so there's some <laughs> hypocrisy. Go support your local team. Glory. Go support, oh, I don't know, any Norwegian teams. Um, um, yeah. They have them. They, they do, do play football. They ski Oslo as well. FC. Yeah. Oslo FC. Oslo <laughs> um, oh, FC. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that attitude uh, kind of resurfaced uh, Either recently. Either way. Uh, do, do, do you want to establish your proper fan credentials, Chris? Oh, um, oh no. I, I, you said Chris, you were going to try and Chris. do this. Go on. Go on. <laughs> uh, th- this is to prove that we are the bestest fans of Stoke. Okay. Um, Chris, yeah, man. Uh, do do you remember Adi Akinbayi? <laughs> Not only do I remember Adi Akinbayi, I um, purposely uh, follow where he's up to now uh, because I think that he's the best player ever. Oh, that's good. Know... That, that's, that's five points. Um, Chris, do you remember the Victoria ground? <laughs> I mean, this kind of feels like you should be doing like a Peter Case set here. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember the Victoria Ground? Do you? Um, I'll, no, I don't remember the Victoria Ground. Oh, oh, you you lose ten points there, Chris. Oh, uh, Chris, do you five. remember? Um, do you remember uh, Tony Waddington? Uh, <laughs> I I remember him in the sense that uh, every day. Okay, that's ten points. Okay, okay, okay. Fine. Chris, do you remember um, Stanley Matthews uh, getting his comb out, stood on top of a football and combing his hair as he beat a defender? Um, it's it's printed in my brain. Okay, that's 20 points. Uh, Chris, do you remember Stoke being uh, ev- evicted from the Football League and not being allowed back in for a bit and Sunderland getting red and white stripes? Uh, uh, no, I don't remember that. Oh, it's a mixed bag. Chris, do you remember 1863 and the formation of Stoke City Football Club? Were, were you were you in the pub when they uh, came up with the, the idea for, for the Stoke team? And what did you drink? Uh, yeah, I was there and I drank um, some Victorian era drink that is <laughs> relevant to that time period. <laughs> Chris, Chris, do you remember the first uh, organised game of association football? <laughs> Um, yeah, it was played on a cricket ground, weren't it? Chris, do you remember the Tudor times where they'd get like the, the head of someone they killed and they just kicked it about for sport? I think you're getting confused with Game of Thrones, Dave. Well, Chris, um, you've managed to remember about half those things, so I'd say you're about a, an average fan. But this is how it works. It's it's not you know. Do you care about Stoke? It's not uh, you know. Do, do, do Stoke make you feel happy or sad? It's you know memory. That's basically it for some people. Um, that's a weird tangent. We start well. I mean, we started on a weird tangent. We're ending on a weird tangent. Welcome yeah, to 2018. I, I... Do you remember ten minutes ago when I was about to wrap up the show? <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. Come on, Stoke.
sure you secure the airlock. And prepare the escape pods. Your Highness, the transmission we received. What is it they've sent us? Help. 